0: And, uh, well, I, I'm, thank you for being here. I'm really, I'm stoked to just get to know you a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I already know you. I, well, you do. you do. You know me probably more. You looked at all my data. <laughs> <laughs> data,
1: I, I see soft data more than I see hard data. And yeah. you do that too. Like, you read data all the time. I know you said to me, you don't get, you're, you're not 100% comfortable with data. But the reality is you do that all the time. You gather data. You are... You are so intuitive. Like you said to me, it was like you are almost clairvoyant. You can see things and read things.
0: <laughs> wow, well, I I don't know. I, I just I just show up. You yeah, but that's
1: part of your superpower. Your superpower is how you connect with people, and you connect with people because you see their energy, you read their energy, you read their eyes, you hear their words. You know, you, you can tell when they. Breathe differently. It's it is sometimes a gift and sometimes uh, hard on you. You will absorb too much energy because you're so high in support and affection and so high in intuitive or broad external awareness that you'll sometimes need a shield to, to kind of you. You suffer, I'm sure, from
0: compassion fatigue. Yes, it is. It is rare when that happens, and it's happened now twice during this. You know during the pandemic Black Lives Matter type of time where it's like it just becomes there's so much raw emotion that comes my way that if I'm not careful it, it um, kind of like takes me down the barrel of a waterfall. Yeah it's very interesting
1: it's like your brain is operating your brain your heart and your soul are almost operating at peak capacity because there's so much It's Again, it's about the energies of the world, but it's also how your mind absorbs it, your heart wants to change it, your heart wants to help everybody, and it's like, how often do you ever take time for you? I think I asked you that question. However,
0: do you ever ever think about you? You never think about you. I know. It's so funny that you should say that today I did something that uh, I, I thought about me and doing it, and it's so minor, but we had uh, the housekeeper comes once a, once a week and, and, you know, I have a two-year-old. So the place is just <laughs> mass, constant. Yeah. yeah. and cleaning up after her is really difficult. And so I said to the housekeeper today, can you show up on Fridays now also? And like, it's so little, but it's going to help me because the cha- you know, chaos or the stuff everywhere doesn't work for me. So like, something very simple of just a request of like a hundred, you know, a hundred bucks, which I'm not saying is, is nothing, but a hundred bucks more in a week is going to help me um, chill. It's a triple loop win Claude.
1: You win because you get your house clean and you feel like, okay, you've got a moment of no chaos and order. right? Then she wins because she gets a hundred
0: bucks. And the world wins because she goes and spends the hundred bucks. Like, yeah, it's a triple a loop win. win. That's it. And it's actually four ways because then I'm actually even a better person.
1: You are a better family member. You're nicer.
0: You're more patient. <laughs> that, that, yeah, it's like you're here. It's like you absolutely. Oh, my God. All right, let's crack into you, can we? Yeah.
1: Yeah, sure. I never talk about me. I always talk about other people.
0: I know. I, know. I had a feeling. Um, my gosh, where do we even start? Where, who, who are you? Who are you? How did you get here? Why, why, do you, why do you care about people? Where are you from? Why do I care about people?
1: You know, I'll tell you a story. When I was 16 years old, I read a book. And I was confused where I wanted to go. Like I had no idea. So I read this stupid book, What Color Is Your Parachute? And I don't know if you remember that, it was years ago. In the back of this book, it had a psychometric evaluation, just a little tick boxy thing. And it said I should be a coach. Oh my gosh. And and I was like, at the time it was like athletic coach, but that was 20 years ago and there weren't coaches. And certainly coaching wasn't a profession.
0: Yeah.
1: And And flash forward five years, and I'm standing at the top of the World Juniors. And it's Whistler. I don't know if you're a, you're from
0: California, right? Yeah, but I'm a boarder. I'm a massive snowboarder.
1: Okay, so you know what it's like. It's a 7 a.m. set. It's the World Juniors. It's alpine skiing. And I'm there and it, the sun's coming up over the mountain. And there's freshly fallen snow and the pine smell. And like I'm outside. I'm physically fit. I'm with a hundred kids that love me and give me energy. And then I'm at the starting gate and I look up. And I'm like, 39 dudes and me. And A, I couldn't see a future in that. And B, I couldn't, like, I couldn't connect with these guys. They're all Europeans or whatever. They can't speak the language, but they're all dudes. And then there's me. I couldn't see where I wanted to go. So I was offered the job to take over that program and be the head program director. At the same time, I was offered a job to go into sport marketing at IMG. And I was like, okay, option B. (laughs) I I actually talked to my neighbor and I have no idea why I asked her. And I told her I have option A and option B. And she says, coaching is not a profession. It's certainly not a profession for women. Mm -hmm. And it was like that comment, (laughs) that small comment, okay, (laughs) off to option B.
0: Yeah.
1: And I set a goal to go all the way up the ladder in this mountain that I thought was the right mountain in sales and marketing. Yeah. And I made a lot of really key decisions. You know, I really liked it. I was a voracious learner. I worked for fantastic people. And then I got to the top of the mountain and I was like, fuck, I like it up here. It's, <laughs> I, I like, I like leading people. I had a team of 47 content creators and I, I had never led a team so big. I was so excited. And I learned three things, three things when I got to the top of the mountain. And one was when I reflected, and I—it's like these moments of clarity that start with moments of wonder. You know, I kind of step back and I reflect, and I think in that job at that time, I had six bosses in three and a half years, and fifty percent of them were fantastic, and fifty percent of them were terrible. And that started me on a journey, asking a question, how can we build better leaders that like all of a sudden I research, I draw like that's how I I sketch it out. I figure out these different strategies and I obsess the outcome. And then I learned the second thing and that was that they send their senior people to go to the doctor and I learned that I had cancer. And in fact, that part of the journey was the most powerful part of the journey because it pivoted me to recognize I wasn't in a space that was biogenically where I fit. Yeah.
0: Wow.
1: And that, that in itself was a key component of my journey forward as a coach. And it was at the end of two and a half years and two surgeries and chemo and radiation and all the chaos that I realized what makes my heart sing is helping people succeed. And that's really how I landed in the role that I am now. I went back, I made a decision. I said, I'm gonna help hundred people succeed. That was my goal. I got my masters at like 45 years old. I hadn't been to school in 20 years. <laughs> I started a company. I'm not an entrepreneur. I need to be very clear at that. And, and then I ultimately uh, started teaching. And I started seeing correlations between their behavior in that uh, Zed, they're like millennial Zeds. Mm -hmm. I started, I really resonated with these guys because they gave me love. They're really smart. They pushed me to learn more. I really loved winning and I could see where I was winning. You know, I had a hundred students and I would literally have my little mini CRM program and I'd kick off like I'm winning here, I'm winning there, I'm winning there. I would be like, okay, there's a little loose lamb over here. I got to go over here. And it was just chaos. And then I, it all came together. And the third thing I learned was actually inside Canadian tire before I was before I left was because I had chemo, I didn't know how I would respond. And so I created a solution and it was that solution that introduced me to my true capabilities So it's again, pressure is a key differentiator. You don't have to go through cancer to get to the answer, but fuck you gotta go to darkness before you see the light. Big time. And and those parts of the journey,
0: Claude, were game-changing for me
1: and really fun. Yeah.
0: Wow, Nancy, that's I I, there's so much in there. You do have to go to the dark. I mean, there is a hero's journey. Let's not (laughs) I mean, there is, I I truly believe in in the phoenix rising but before you can rise you got to burn baby burn a bit um but I have a question for you well two questions that popped up the first one was what does win what is winning because you're like I can see where I was winning and I and I, I imagine for you winning means a variety of things so I'm interested in that and then I'm interested in if we go back in time to um you know were you an athlete I was yeah Yeah, that's, yes. Did you have, well, what was your, what were your sports, by the way? Uh,
1: I was an alpine skier when I was growing up and a soccer player, but I probably did the best in rowing. So I made it to the national development level in rowing.
0: And did you have good coaches growing up? I had good parents
1: and I had good sisters and brothers. And I also had one coach that was game changing, Carlos Bartolucci. And he was an, a huge impact. So yes, definitely.
0: That's amazing. A huge impact in helping you see your potential, pushing you harder. What do you remember? He, he taught me what caring looked like and sounded like. Oh, wow.
1: He was on the national team in Italy. And I didn't have money growing up. And skiing's a pretty expensive sport. Yeah. I started late. And so what he would do is he would go into his closet and he was a six foot two guy and he would give me for a downhill, which you need to be in skin tight stuff for, he'd give me like his slalom sweater and he'd duct tape me and he'd go and he'd navigate his way through the ski business and get me a pair of skis. And so he'd send me rocketing down the hill on like Fisher racing cut,
0: 213 centimeter skis, ridiculously long, couldn't even turn these things, but he cared so much. Wow. I love that. I mean, I know what those skis are like. That's huge. (laughs) You and me. Wow. All right. That's so cool. And a family and a family system that really kind of like carried you, uh, believed in you, those types of things. Let me
1: be very clear. My mother might be 115% on the criticism and anger score. Her favorite word was March growing up. And if you had any sort of ailment she would ask you first, if you've worked hard to solve the problem. Oh and if the answer was no, it would be, well, solve the problem. And then you might talk to me.
0: <laughs> my mom's birthday is today. She's a psychotherapist. And growing up, any time I would, and I had terrible tonsillitis all the time. Any time I had a sore throat, what are you not saying? You know, any time I had a headache, well, who are you thinking poorly about? <laughs> I just need my tonsils out, but that's so funny.
1: I, I, it shaped who you are. It shaped who you are. Like that impact, and it, I see, you know, I, I see the data, and I see where people didn't grow, grow up with hugs. I see where they didn't grow up with a parent who challenged them to think differently. I can see the net effects and how the brain starts growing. So you build the skills, and they ultimately turn into habits. And then once you're 30, it's kind of, it's cemented. And that, that nurture phase is so incredibly important. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't need to be, I've seen kids, I coach kids that pushed out of the ghetto that have come out of terrible circumstances and yet can rise above.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I, I, you know, that I think everyone has a pilot light inside of them. It, It depends on, them and others, you know, how high they can, they can turn that light up.
1: You know, I love that. I love that you said pilot light. I really do because as a coach or in what you do with your team, you and I do the same thing. We find where that pilot light is. And sometimes we got to like push away a lot of crap and we work hard to get to that pilot light. And I really like that because that's what a coach does. They ignite human motivation Yeah, because it's not about
0: me. It's not about
1: you. You can't do the work for them.
0: That's exactly right. It's never about me. Never. It's always about them. But similar, you know, you can you know, lead a horse to water, or whatever. For me, it's always like if I see or sense a, just a crack in the door, yeah. Light can come in where there's possibility, where I'm, uh, I'm invited. You got me for fucking life. You have me. Yeah. 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 You know, right. I, 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 I coach this
1: uh, kid and I always coach outliers. Like I choose to help outliers. So I, I will coach executives and then ultimately that funds me helping the outliers. And I select these outliers because they intrigue me because I don't know them and they aren't easy to see. And you know that like you see things too, you see yeah. and hear things that most people don't. And, and that's when you said like crack the light, there's a picture, I think in pictures and really imagination and emotion is what pushes you to the next platform in life, imagination, and emotion. And that's what I see in him. I see this barn door, And I I explain it to him, you know, there's this barn door and it's this dark barn and the barn doors just open a little bit. You see this beautiful beam of light. And that's what I see. And every single time I speak with him, the barn door and the stream of light just gets wider and wider and wider. And now he smiles like he's 98% on the introversion scale and he's 99% on analytical. So he's very hard to read. And you know, every day I get like an inch closer, an inch closer, and the door burn door. It's exactly so you shine the light, you ignite the of love. It. I love it.
0: So tell me about I wanted to ask you about like what winning means, and you know, if that was something is that if that's something you feel like answering. And then the other question that I'm really interested in is, you know, what what your could you say guiding principles are? You know, what your your North star, what's your North star? We talked a little bit about it already, but like what, what your motivators are. And coaching, lighting people up, I get that, but like, what, if you had to write down what your principles were, or in your last breath, you know, like what matters to you? What guides you, what would you say?
1: Well, let me answer the first question first. What does winning look like? And for me, the journey to unlock the potential of the person the it's when the light i see it's always quite clear to me i can push and get to the answer and where i see winning where i feel winning is when i see them motivating themselves when they come back to me with their plan their vision their energy there it's like feedback and it reverberates it's like sound against a wall you know and and when you when sometimes with some people you put that sound out and, and it just kind of flat it doesn't come back to you but it, it's when it and when it, it's when it echoes back to you and it, it's just like goes right in my heart and like, yes I love it because I'm you know you and then you answer I answer the second question it's about what are the guiding principles and for me it's about I am curious, I love solving complex problems, and who's more complex than people? And nobody ever spends time, particularly again with those outliers, particularly, I'm learning so much about introversion and how most people misperceive an introvert as aloof and that they don't care, but in fact, nobody ever just spends the time to open the door to shine the light. And so that curiosity is is what motivates me it's what inspires me i want you know combine that with how much i care and you know there's always blind spots to strengths you know that we just talked about that i give so much energy i care so much i become annoying to people i i obsess about them i text them at two o'clock i figured it out right. and it is like i invite them into i invite myself into their life <laughs> And they're like, really? I invited myself, and you're like, "Hi, I'm here." And you're like, "What the? Who the hell are you?" <laughs> it gives me joy, and then I'm competitive. I want to win, and I and what does winning look like? And winning is it's all value centered. I want to build the right leaders. I am obsessed about building the right leaders that will help that 2.4 billion Zeds, our largest and most powerful population ever. This generation shows consistency in caring, consistency in brilliance and complexity. They, they are extremely good at figuring out really complex problems. And in order for us to get the best leaders forward, to bring the best out of this generation, that's my obsession. And that's really, you know, I say I'm competitive, but I wanna win in that area. I wanna put good people up there. And that's, you know, that's what drives me every day.
0: I love, I love that. That is, I'm, you know, obviously we, we know each other and I'm, I reflect as I'm listening to you, you know, taking in data. Yeah. I, uh, I'm trying to think, I, it's, I'm not, I don't find myself to be competitive and maybe it's the word that doesn't, the word never really resonated with me, uh, and I don't know if winning resonates with me, but I know that riding the rail and pushing it as hard as I possibly can resonates with me.
1: Okay, so competitive would look like for you, you, you actually, competitive is the wrong word because it's misperceived by some as being closed, as being, uh, you know, extending competence first, not extending warmth first. That's your greatest strength is you extend warmth first. And, and so you invite people in, and you, when you invite people in, you do that with your body language, your energy, the words you use, even the words you post, you type, everything. Everything about you extends form first, which means you create trust.
0: Yeah.
1: And the trust, teams that trust are teams that win, and you do it like that. You do it at, a, at an accelerated speed that's beyond anybody else that I've ever experienced before. That's a huge superpower you are still competitive and where that meet where that comes out in you is you you resonate with the clarity of a goal like tell me where we want to go and i am excited to get there and if you you know take care of those 800 people on your team claude okay i love that clarity (laughs) and then you go i'm going to exceed your expectations that's what you do that's what you are actually that's true
0: yeah with enough, uh, with enough uh, autonomy and, and runway, I can do, you know, I, I can do any, anything, really. It's, uh, I think when someone breathes down my neck, that's where I don't, I don't flourish. Well, who does flourish there? But I definitely, I don't flourish there. So. Well, you
1: need, you need structure. You are a values-driven person, value-centered. You're very values-driven. And you're a very dependable individual. You will always show up. Like you say, you will always show up. You will always be present.
0: Yes. So
1: you extend warmth. You're always present. And you've got clarity of where you need to go. And that's how you put your your focus together. And you have a little bit of impatience to get there as well. Like sometimes you want to get there a little bit too fast.
0: Yes, that is very true. And that is true. Well, and it's also true for myself. And that's where I hold myself uh, to be probably more of a perfectionist there wherever i need to get to right
1: yeah Yeah, you do have a little bit of exhaustion like you tend to you push yourself hard you have overload in your schedule
0: yeah in your
1: profile and it's it's just a it's just a matter of you know yourself and therefore you need you know you need to give yourself permission to binge watch the netflix that's
0: right oh my god nancy on saturday night that's exactly what i did was it saturday or sunday night we had friends here and instead of like going out to sit outside someplace, I totally said, Nope, can't do it. And I sat in a room for two hours and just read and I had some mafia show on and just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, do. I, do. It, I do. It is uh, it
1: is interesting. You know, I, I, you give so much of yourself if you look at the, where you get energy back, how you need to close the door and spend some time kind of recharging you it's a part of what i always say it's like a mathematical formula how you find joy and paying attention to those little pieces of the puzzle those clues are really important for you and that's one of your pieces like i'm giving myself permission i'm going to shut the door and i'm going to recharge
0: it's true and and because i used to travel quite a bit for work that was my you get on that airplane you know 6 hours london or or la and I, I get off refreshed because I had that moment. So now finding it in different ways, you know, which is a question for you, which is how do you feed is more of how do you feed yourself rather than recharge? how How do you make sure that you are giving yourself the nutrients that you need to be the best so that you can help others so that you can win, so you can help uh, show up for people, continue to show up and you know hoist them to that to that greater, that greater good, that greater place.
1: Uh, I'm I'm very intentional and I do it in four different categories. So I always look at biological, psychological, social, and spiritual. And I always look at every piece of those puzzles of every one of those pieces of the puzzle have an element to it, like my sleep and my uh, intellectual particularly in strategy and studying like I I obsess about space to think yes so I'm in very intentional I have to get up at four thirty so that I can have space to think and also need space to breathe so those are pieces of the puzzle I'd say I'm probably failing on the fuel part because I obsess I get inside my head I forget to eat there are pieces there that I am not perfect. I have not got the formula down, but again, being very intentional. And, and I need to clarify that you on the rules and risk are an ardent rule follower. You are somebody who is very good and very good building your own structure. I'm on the other side. So I'm innovative, a little bit spicy. Uh, that's where the color comes from. And, it you know, impulsive behavior would be the blind spot where you have behavior control you have more control on that end it, it 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 is now that i recognize that about myself i am very good about putting structure in place and following that structure so that i feed fuel the energy that i need to succeed yeah and it's also being very intentional about who i choose to be around Big time. you know there. I worked in the past with people who have demonstrated behaviors that sat outside my value system. And that was a game changer for me. And that's what I see this future generation are very value centered. And they're making decisions based on not money, not location, but on values and meaning and purpose. And that's where, you know, those checklists, I go through those checklists all the time. I want to come back to one point you said, you know, you don't like to be micromanaged. You don't need to be micromanaged. And here's why you extend trust first. People trust you, but that's, that's like the people on your team, but it's also the people on, on the senior leadership team. They trust you. Yeah. And that trust is, is like I said, you do it at this accelerated rate faster than most. And that allows them to step back and breathe. And then you add value you know, every single time you speak with somebody, you add value to them. The question I would have, it's, it's like space. Now that you have one child and you have another one on the way and you're inside New York City, which has a bunch of noise, you don't have that space to think. How do you, because you resonate, gives you energy when you think and, yeah. and strategize and like figure complex problems out.
0: Yeah, guess what? We moved. Oh, and good. We I'm looking at the sunset that windows open to a bunch of trees. Good. And so I have the expansiveness that I need to breathe. Even if I'm on zooms all day, uh, I have the, I just, because you're absolutely right. I need a sense of expansiveness without clutter, which was going back to having her come back on Friday to It it fuels me. It recharges me. It allows me to, it's just, it's just air. It's just breathing. I feel
1: that. I I, I see that in you. It it looks very positive on you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And I think, you know, a lot of times people say to me, you know, how do you not get so bogged down by what you do all day or listening to people all day or this and that all day. And it's it's absolutely unconscious, I know, but the expansiveness helps me. I mean, unconscious like I know how to protect myself from from taking on other people's energy. Now at this time in my life, I had to work very hard on it in my twenties and early thirties for sure, mm-hmm. um, because I was a sponge and I didn't I didn't understand this my superpower of empathy. I didn't understand that it was okay to still love and want the best for that person without you know sitting on top of them without you know literally being there for all the drama in their life Mm -hmm. you know now I know and I learned that I could ride alongside of them I could I could I could ride shotgun I could be a passenger in their journey but I'm not taking any of it on right and so and that's how I that's how I go I go about my day but also the the expansiveness i can't i can't describe it as other than like it just there's a flow there's an airflow that that I need you know what i
1: what I think I see and I say I think intentionally is like you can you are such um, so connected to you and what you need to fuel to move forward. That you are able to compartmentalize for those milliseconds. You know, when you turn your head and you just look outside, that's when you are, you know, it's like that four-second recenter.
0: Yes. Absolutely.
1: It's a four-second pause that's recentering you. You take a deep breath, it re-energizes you. And you know, the hormones that the change, the difference, the brain, how the brain works, how you've taken cortisol and, and replaced it with oxytocin and, and serotonin, you know, pride and love. As opposed to stress,
0: you're so right. It is you are so spot on because when I did that, and and I know that I am cognitively kind of taking a little bit of a timeout. Mm-hmm. Like there's not much in my head when I am. Um, there's not much in my. I mean, I don't want to say there's not much in my head.
1: A <laughs> lot in your head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but anyway, I'm I'm very I'm fortunate to be able to do what I love doing and, um, and it doesn't weigh me down. And, and I look at it as coaching all day long. I look at it as just being a, being a guide, being a Sherpa in some way, you know, shape or form, which, is, um, which I, I'm honored to be able to do, to ride with someone.
1: Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna come back to the coaching comment in a minute. I'm just gonna come back to pressure. because what i see is that pressure what i've tested is that that pressure testing pressure early and i had you know how what is your capacity and building up that capacity to handle the pressure and then figuring out how you respond under pressure so that you can pay attention to you know what i just need to turn right four seconds breathe recenter come back pay attention or i need five minutes stand outside you are you become very intentional because you know yourself and like, you know, you were, read Tasha Yurik's work, 10 to 15% of people are self-aware. And the reality is when you are self-aware, you pay attention to that, you are able to continue to get to the next platform, to
0: grow, to help more people. Yeah. Thank you. That's it. You're so, so wait, how did you get so smart? It isn't smart. It's just curious. It's not. It's not. But it is, it is a level of, I mean, it is a, a heightened level of awareness, I will say.
1: Well, it's, that's, that's, a, that's certainly a piece of the puzzle. Curiosity and awareness are two pieces that make me this obsessive. But it's just paying attention. And again, it's like, a, I read this work by Brian Little. He's a prof out of uh, Carleton in Canada, and he teaches over in England. But he talks about being biogenically centered. You know, when you're biogenically centered, it really, you can tell when somebody's in their space, you know, you are in your space, I'm in my space. That's what makes me this kind of maniacal mind and I yeah. I think and see things that other people may not see and it, yes. it's very clear and I can do things pretty quickly. And, and again, I work hard to get there. I train myself back to the coaching comment. What is a coach's job? What is your role in life? Our opportunity is to unlock human motivation, to put the pilot light, to find the pilot light, to ignite the pilot light. That's our job. That's, but it's, it's not a job, it's an opportunity,
0: it's a privilege. That's a calling. It's just, it just is. It just, I mean, I can't imagine you not being a coach, knowing you like that is your it seems like it is your fire like and and it
1: took me it took me 20 years to go all the way up the ladder Mm -hmm. and wonder why I was grinding my teeth at night or why I wasn't really feeling joy I was kind of faking good a lot yeah Mm -hmm. and my energies were exhausted by the end of the run like particularly fighting through two and a half years of cancer which I fought faked good a lot Mm -hmm. even though I look like shit I everybody would look at me and go you look pretty good like or you sound pretty good but you look like shit and it was one of those things where you don't sleep you don't like you worry all the time I grind my freaking teeth to nubs And then at the end of the journey, I was like, what the hell makes my heart sing? But it wasn't until I got kicked out, you know, and that's generally when you have that awakening is when you are, you go through this chaos in your life and you go, I'm so done with that. I don't want to work with people like that, that lie, cheat and steal. I want to work and help people rise up, build leaders that are incredibly good for the world.
0: Yeah, and your students are, I mean, I met your students, they're, it's not, and lovely isn't the word, I mean, they are lovely because their nature was very lovely, their nature was spe- very special people, uh-huh. uh, you could tell, but uh, they are motivated people, the class I met were very motivated, very bright, I could tell from all walks of life, which is something I loved, uh-huh. uh, about, you know, just looking on the screen and Um, but they, I got the sense that at least the people that I spoke to or saw on screen were like, they want to be, they really want to be winners. It
1: it is, um, I, I test my intuitive, I gather soft data and then I confirm it with hard data and then I take them through a journey and I put them in these short term live learning projects. And it really does amplify who the real, the people who are going to push hard because you know as you go up the journey you've got like oh you have no responsibilities when you're first starting out but a paycheck and you get to spend money and go out for beers with your friends and then you like fast forward 20 years you got two kids you got a mortgage to pay you got dogs and cats and like all of a sudden your pressure gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you know training them early to understand what that where they go under pressure and i do it intentionally when i select the talent that i choose to put time and energy into This is not something I do for a business. It is something I do for an opportunity. I'm more of a minister than I am a business person. And it's like, I am so rewarded by selecting a diverse team and intentionally, because in my career, I had back to the 39 dudes and me, it was 39 dudes and me. And it was a constant fight for equity and respect. And how many times did you get told in your career, like, oh, you don't have to be so aggressive. Why do you be so assertive? Why don't you just fetch me a coffee and a chicken pot
0: pie? (laughs) (laughs) I exaggerate. but That's not really an exaggeration. I was just told not to talk. I was told just take notes. Like, literally, I was told you're there to take notes. I was like, oh. Hey, I guess I'll take notes. And now what I say all the time is, you know, if you're invited to that meeting, like don't be a wallflower, sit at the table. You're not there to take notes. You're not the note taker. I always say that because I remember the guy who told me that. I thought to myself, I am not going to be like you.
1: Again, back to the beginning of this conversation, you know, you get exposure to what you don't want to do and what you do want to do. I'm honored to have been on the journey that I've been on. Yes. And, you know, when I choose the talent to help, and, and then I lean into people like you and other people that I've met along my journey, what I call owls, which are framed out as older, wiser learners, that I bring the wisdom together with this dynamic young energy. And in fact, what I've done is what I've seen is that you learn from each other. But more importantly, I am very intentional about A strategy that takes care of people who are generally outliers. People who came from Regent Park in Toronto that fought their way up to go through university and that have exhibited consistently this drive to exceed and turn around and help other people while they are moving up. And that for me is a key differentiator.
0: Yeah, and that, and that is exactly what I saw on that screen. And it was beautiful. And everyone, everyone just had something to share. I mean, just, uh, it, was a, it, was, it was a really special time. And the notes that I got from your students were uh, incredibly touching to me, incredibly like raw, you know, uh, they, hit, they hit my raw nerves. Would well, you that's,
1: where, that's where you get energy. You get energy. You know, I could, I could say to you, Claude, you want, I'm going
0: to pay you a million bucks or I'm going to give you a million notes of thanks. You're like, I'll take the notes. I'll take the notes, man. And I will read them for the rest of my life and that will be my currency. That's right. That is what I will buy my cup of coffee with, which is a smile, you know, which is, yeah. So tell me what, uh, what, uh, as we wind down, tell me what's in store for like this next coming year here. Twenty Twenty One as we as we end this year, like, do you have any any plans, any hopes, dreams, desires, anything you're strategizing?
1: Always obsessing the outcome, always looking at these little cracks in the door, whether it's a person or an opportunity, and it's in. I have set a new vision, and my imagination runs wild with the possibilities. But in Canada and in the sport of soccer. It is an opportunity for me to think about, figure out, and execute how we can unite this entire community. And that's like if we do that, when we do that, that will elevate. It's like the ripple effects in Monsters Inc., you know, when the ripple effects, all the little laughter goes up into the sky. I see that, you know, and when the soccer community of a million people come together in this diverse, beautiful souls of the people that play this sport, it would be absolutely impactful for me to be the person who can create that rallying cry that will unite a nation that will then go to the world cup because it is a a sport that i am enamored by that i love the profile of the people inside they're very passionate and we stand divided and i need to figure out what that solution is to unite so that's really my new
0: obsession that's so beautiful and you know it is so beautiful. I got the chills as soon as you were like, and go to the World Cup. And I think about soccer and how you said, you know, and they're, they're very special souls inside of soccer. They're, you're playing soccer because for the love of that game, or else you'd go and you'd, you'd pick up other sports. Uh, Cause it's a, uh, when it's done well, it is one of the most graceful things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Just, it's just and it is, and it is an every-person sport, from you know right. the people that are in Ghana playing right now to Quebec to people down in uh, South America. It, everyone has access to that sport, and needing coaches like yourself to help them, you know, see what's possible, and then to bring the sum of what's possible together and ignite that torch.
1: You know, it's an interesting challenge and i say challenge for a reason the profiles of the people that are inside the sport are from a coaching perspective wow stallion like profiles amazing top performers and yet one thing holds them back and that is that they've codified the extent they extend competence first you know they puff up like peacocks and they pull their shoulders back their body language is protecting yeah and i need to you know, if I get there sooner, and again, it comes back to when the brain develops, which is also a part of this whole journey. Can I win with an entire uh, rise of a nation of younger, talented kids that haven't codified bad habits of protecting? and that's really where it's almost like with what we do in these sessions that you are invited to that it's the generation that's coming up that's going to teach us how to be better expect us to be better and push us and then motivate us to be better i'm hoping to do that with this community of talent inside soccer that i can then modify and change what is used to be this protected mindset to open up their hearts and souls and, and see what a united nation looks like.
0: That is so beautiful. That is so awesome. And I really, I have to just say, you know, because, because this is the biggest question for me in, in creating cultures, in creating psychological safety, which, which is something that I am grateful that I can do pretty quickly. That next level is, is creating those cultures where people feel like they belong and that they yeah. matter. You know, you have this, this word team on your shirt, which not everyone feels a part of a team. And so how do we do that? And how do we do that right right at that crux, which you're saying, before people start to feel like, shit, I'm not enough. I don't belong here. No one wants me. I'm not good enough. I'm stupid. All that stuff that happens probably right around 11, 12, 13. Yes. Yeah. You know, and that's where we, we have to... about a crack in the window we gotta get in there with a wedge you know
1: i see just alongside of what you were talking about in your journey in creating teams and culture of inclusiveness and safety that what i see is there's a huge window of opportunity that opens up when they are fresh in a new job and i'm sure you see this too they have a malleability and it's in that six months Three, probably six, three to six months. That that malleability is so incredibly powerful that you can have a huge impact. Yeah, you know, I remember this guy telling me that I they ha- I coached this team. These, they had four different teams, and I remember asking one of the leaders, "Who is that person over there?" And he said, "I have no idea. I've been passing them for four years. After like six months, I didn't learn their name. I decided not to learn their name again." It's like you codify behaviors codifying the right behaviors in that window of malleability and if you hire between 20 and 25 then it really has an impact yeah if you ask them a question like who are you and that's where we started the journey and that's what you do so well who are you
0: you do too (laughs) too. thank you for spending time with me you're the best i could do this forever and i could do this more than just once so let's continue Love this. I appreciate you so much. You've brought so much heart and knowledge into my life. I really. Yeah. And, um, and validation, of course, but friendship above, above and beyond anything. So thank you.
1: Well, I'll tell you this, just to reinforce, I am a huge fan that believes in you because I see and I hear how powerful you are with the people you lead. And that is, I, I, I put you as the pinnacle of what people that are coming up into the leadership roles, the pinnacle of what they need to see and hear themselves in the future. Thank you. I'm so I, I spin a thank you to you for being who you are and caring as much as you do.
0: I'm back at you. That's my cup of coffee. That's a
1: million notes right there.
0: All right. All
1: right. Be well. I'll talk to you soon. See ya. See ya.